0: Give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed this morning. You deserve a round of applause. That's right. I love it when you when I clap for myself when I get out of bed. It's such a good feeling. Uh, this morning, we are in the finale, week three of a series that we are calling Relationship Goals. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this, uh, this series, uh, talking about relationships. Next week, we're beginning just a short two-week series, all pre- celebrating the refuge turning 3 you don't want to miss that in fact you want to invite your friends to come and celebrate your birthday anytime you're throwing a birthday party you invite people to, to it right like you don't just you don't just hope someone shows up right you invite people and so uh, we're asking you everyone's invited invite all your friends to the the refuge birthday party and we've got a fantastic amazing celebration we like to celebrate every Sunday, so uh, it is a celebration, and it is going to be awesome. All right. Um, next Sunday, also, in the announcements, uh, they mentioned a uh, an interest meeting for our very first ever missions trip to the Dominican Republic. So that's at 1145 if you're interested in going. That's all it is. It's just an information meeting. Uh, if you want to go, if you're interested, then it's for you. It's in the Middles Classroom try to have all the details that we can for that meeting it's going to be great all right so uh this morning we're talking about legacy goals so uh three weeks ago we began began this series and what what we realized is that when it comes to relationships we all live in different phases we have there are different phases of relationships so the 30,000 foot view of relationships goes like this you know you first it begins with a desire to want to date and then you you meet someone and you date or you court them and you decide if they're going to be the person that you spend the rest of your life with and so uh, there's the, the dating or courting phase and then you move over into the, uh, the marriage phase and so week one we talked about the first phase of romantic relationships being the dating phase and we said that the big idea for that week was that we want to make uh, we want to make sure that Jesus completes us before anything anyone else. Like Jesus has to complete us before anyone else, because when you move over into the marriage phase, the thing that has to complete you is Jesus and not your spouse. Because we talked a little bit last week. Ty and I got up here. We sat down. We had a conversation. We talked about marriage. Talking about sex, and if you missed it and you're going, oh man, I wish I would have been here for the church talking about sex, you can go back and listen to that uh, on our website, church forward slash messages. It was funny because Tanya spoke, all right? It wasn't funny because I spoke, Uh, but it was Your in-laws in the room—that was a lot of fun, uh, you know—and um, your kids too. So uh, that was—I I felt like last week. I felt like we left, um, and, and we gave an opportunity for marriages to get stronger last week. That's that's how I felt. I hope that you felt that way. I hope that your marriage got stronger this week, uh, not because it was Valentine's Day, but because you're at the Refuge last week. Maybe it. I'm just going to tell you this: that Tanya dropped a bomb about sex that you're going to want to hear. So go back to that that message and listen to it. And when you ask your wife what did she say, because your wife was here and you weren't, then she's going to say, "Go back and listen to the message because it was it was it was good." Um, but this week we're talking about legacy goals um, because. these are christian relationships. This isn't necessarily the way the world always does relationships. But God's design for our relationships are to start with dating or courting to move into marriage and after marriage to have children or and then and then after children come grandchildren. And so uh, my pastor always says, "Adam don't kill your kids, you got better ones coming," right? They're called grandkids. get into that, I just want to say, I feel like I need, I, I feel like God was telling me something uh, later on in the week, and, and that was that I, I need to just say that your kids are your legacy. You are not your kid's legacy. The way our world approaches parenting, I feel like oftentimes we raise our kids as if, um, we're their legacy. Well, we have to. Be, my kids have to be successful so that I can have a legacy. So I'm going to do everything I can for them to get a scholarship. I'm going to do everything I can for them to to make achievements. I'm going to do everything I can so that my kids can succeed. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. The way legacy works is for you to raise your kids so that so that you are successful. And when you are successful in teaching your kids and sh- in, in showing them what success looks like, then they can go on and be successful and you can have a legacy that reaches the world later on. And we're talking about the big idea. The Two weeks ago, we talked about how um, in dating relationships, it has to be Jesus that completes us. No one else is going to complete us but Jesus. Because when we move on into our parent relationship, or into our marriage relationship, in our marriage, Jesus has to complete us. Tanya and I talked about how we let each other down last week. And I have to realize that she's going to let me down, and that Jesus is the one that completes me, because when she lets me down, I have to have. I think I look at the divorce rate in America and I see people that don't run to Jesus when their spouse lets them down. We have to have someone to run to that is perfect and that will never let us down. And so um, we're carrying that thought into this week, meaning that in order to leave a legacy in our lives, this is the big idea for today, if you're taking notes, write this down, if you're not taking notes, write this down. Also, you can follow along with all of today's notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Um, the screen behind me will tell you exactly how to get there. The big idea is this. Teach your kids that Jesus completes them, not another person. Teach your kids that Jesus completes them and not another person. And that includes you. That includes you. You can't complete your kids it has to be jesus your kids legacy is built on their hard work not yours so make sure that you're teaching them to make jesus their refuge to make jesus their 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 completion their refuge really and if you do that your legacy will last forever we're going to talk a little bit what a legacy really is in a moment, because the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of different ways that we can leave a legacy. The word legacy is thrown out quite a bit lately. And um, anybody with a lot of money can leave a legacy, right? Anybody can write a check to leave, to leave a legacy. And um, it, people leave a legacy by buildings being named after them. That's a different type of legacy that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the type of legacy... That is a family legacy, that the family lives on. And so, um, there will come a time where we talk about other types of legacies. But this morning, for this morning's purpose, we're talking about a family legacy. So, the scripture for this series is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. We're going to read that again. I believe that creation the foundation for a lot of our belief systems in fact i believe that the bible says that in john ten ten that satan is a thief that comes to steal kill and destroy and one way that he convinces man to to take away from god's glory we're going to talk about this in just a moment one way that he convinces man to take away from god's glory is by convincing them that god didn't create the world by convincing them that god didn't create us So that's why um, evolution is the foundation of a lot of atheist arguments because creation is the foundation for a lot of our beliefs as followers of Jesus. So Genesis chapter two, verse 18 through 25 says this. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed uh, from the ground. The wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. Verse 20. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Notice the Bible said first that God needed, that, that man needed a helper. but So God made all the animals first. But then he said, there's not a helper just right for him. And he goes on in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man's ribs and closed, uh, closed up the opening. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. I've pointed out in the last couple weeks that this was paradise. But yet, even in paradise, man needed help. Come on, ladies. All the ladies said amen, right? Even in paradise, man This is, a, this is Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2 is kind of a, it's more of a detailed account, account of what we already know. What we already know happened in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It goes on and it talks about God creating the animals. And it talks about God creating man in Genesis chapter 1. And in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, Right after he makes Adam and Eve, when, when, right after he makes man and woman, it says this in Genesis 128. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and all the animals that scurry on the ground. Ty and I have two kids. Not because I like kids. Because I like Tanya. Be fruitful and multiply, Jesus, the, Lord, the Lord said. And all the fellas said amen. That word multiply, I think, is really important. You see, if God never said be fruitful and multiply, and if, and if at that point, if Adam and Eve do not be fruitful and multiply, if they choose not to, then God's legacy dies. Nothing, we're not here without multiplication. God is always in the multiplication business, ladies and gentlemen. Because when we multiply, God is glorified. Now, I'm not just talking about spiritually, I'm, I'm also talking about, obviously I'm talking about physically, but I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. And so when we multiply God, is most glorified. Therefore, God is in the multiplication business. And in fact, I believe that Satan is a thief that's willing to steal, kill, and destroy. And so what he wants to do, what Satan wants to do, is he wants to stop multiplication. And he will do everything he can. He will rob us in order to stop the multiplication because he stops the glory of God. He will get you convinced that you don't need to tell your friends about Jesus. Because if your friend comes to know Jesus, he might just believe in Jesus and then multiply believers in Jesus. I look at culture and I see lies that Satan has taught us in order to stop multiplication, both physically and spiritually. Because God is always glorified when multiplication takes place. And ladies and gentlemen, this, the whole reason for this part of this talk on legacy is because multiplication is the way we leave a legacy. We leave a legacy through multiplying. And so this morning, but but the fact is, is that multiplication is only the beginning of our legacy. It's just the beginning. And so I want to talk to you a little bit today about how to instruct our kids, how to teach our kids that Jesus completes us. How to teach us that Jesus completes us. Another verse about multiplication in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples that I have been given the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Multiplication. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to Uh, Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So how do we teach our kids that Jesus completes us? I've got four ways, four things that you can teach your kids that Jesus completes us. Number one, if you're ready, say I'm ready. Let me know you're here. All right. Number one. Start with you. If you want to teach your kids that Jesus completes us, you have to start by looking in the mirror. You have to start by looking at yourself. Pastor Adam, I thought this was going to be about raising my kids. It is. But you have to raise yourself first. You have to start with yourself. This is why when you get onto an airplane and you go somewhere warmer, We're going to go somewhere warmer this morning. We're going to get on an airplane. We're going to sit there, and the flight attendant is going to come on, and and he or she is going to say to us, in case of a change in cabin pressure, a yellow mask will deploy for the ceiling. Please secure your own mask before assisting others around you. You know why he or she says that? Because they don't want to take care of your kids if, if, if something happens to you. It's honest. It's because you have to take care of yourself first. I mean, country music has even picked up on this idea of our kids watching how we treat ourselves or how we live our own lives. Rodney Atkins sings a song called Watching You. If you're a country music fan, you're going to get this song Stuck in your head as I read these lyrics. A green light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath as fries went a flying and the orange drink covered his lap. Well, then my four year old said a four letter word that started with S and I was concerned. So I said, Son, now where'd you her- le- learn to talk? That I've been watching you. Dad ain't that cool. I'm your bucket. I'm, I'm done. Our kids watch everything we do. And that's why we have to take care of ourselves first. They will repeat the good and the bad, the ugly and the beautiful. They will repeat everything that we say. So we have to start with ourselves. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, it said, Peter, each, uh, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children. It's a promise not just for us, but to our kids as well. And to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Later on in that same book, the book of Acts, there's a story about, about this man by the name of Paul that is thrown into prison for following Jesus. And there's a, a man that's in charge of the jail. And the Bible says that there was an earthquake. There was a great earthquake, but, but Paul and his buddy didn't run. The, like the, the, the doors flew open, and Paul stayed there, and when, when the jailer woke up from the earthquake he was amazed that Paul and his buddy were still in the, in the prison and he was so amazed that Paul was able to tell them about, tell him about Jesus and why he was still in the, in the prison why he didn't go running and and the jailer, the Bible says came to know Jesus came to follow Jesus and then it says when he went home His whole household followed him. His whole whole household followed his lead. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something that's a little unpopular this morning. I probably said a few things that were already unpopular already. We need men to lead the homes. We need fathers to lead the home. You know. LifeWay Research put out a, a study a few a few years ago um, that said that when mom came to Jesus first, seventeen percent of those of those ladies were able to bring their 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 families to church with them, and the rest of the family followed. But when fathers put their faith in Jesus first. of their families came to follow Jesus after that. Men, we are still to lead our home. I know it's a little old school, but just because it's old school doesn't mean it's not true. We need men to lead. We have to. And it starts, raising your kids to follow Jesus starts with, with dad. I believe that. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't. It'll just go a lot further if dad does it. Um, as we talk about starting with us first, the reason I like this as a leader is I like to put myself on the hook. As a leader, not, not everyone's like that, but I like to put myself on the hook. Start with myself. I put myself on the hook, saying it's up to me, and it's up to me to follow Jesus. If my kids are going to follow Him, the problem is the world today doesn't want to look in the mirror and doesn't want to put themselves on the hook. And so, what I've done with my with my daughter is, um, from the time she was three years old, I put myself on the hook. I, I, I'm I'm guessing it was three but i've i've looked at her and and she can she can confirm that i tell her this i tell her i say i say anna she's she just turned 14 last week i say anna don't you ever tell a boy that you love him until you know that he loves you as much as your daddy does i say that because i'm going to put myself I'm going to put myself on the hook. And if I want her to fall in love with a man that's going to love her, that's going to put her first, that's going to care for her, going to provide for her, then I better do it first. Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Number two, the second thing that you can do to help your kids know that Jesus completes him is instruct them to follow Jesus. Pretty, pretty, pretty forward. Instruct them to follow Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six through nine says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Verse seven, repeat them, and again to your children talk about them when you are home and when you are on the road and we are going to bed we listen we do really good at repeating things about Jesus to our kids at bedtime to, you know we, we say our nightly prayers but this says to do it again and again talk about him when you're at home talk about him when you're on the road. When you're sitting at a red light, the Bible is talking about when you're sitting at a red light, talk about Jesus with your kids. When you're going to bed and when you're when you are getting up. It's talking about making Jesus a part of our everyday conversations with our kids, repeating them over and over and over again, instructing them to follow Jesus. I like the word instruct there because uh, uh, one of the definitions that the, Bible, that, the, that the dictionary gives for instruct is to provide the authoritative information or advice. To uh, provide with authoritative information or advice. Ladies and gentlemen, I look at parents today and, and I see parents that don't want to be authority in their kid's life. We would rather take the the friendship approach. Our kids need us to instruct them. Our kids need us to say no. Our kids need us to help them along the way by telling them what's right and wrong. You're not born knowing what's right and wrong. You have to be told what's right and wrong. I wasn't born knowing right and wrong what was right and wrong. If my dad was here, he, he'd say, I had to be told a lot what's right and wrong. We need to instruct our kids. My kids are in middle school. My, my son's in sixth grade. My daughter's in eighth grade. We have rules in our house and we make their lives miserable. You ask them, they'll tell you. Maybe they won't. We're pretty good. But we should have rules our kids to follow to instruct them. I'm not gonna tell you what those rules should be. I, I think that you're pretty smart people. You could probably guess some of the rules that I would tell you to follow. And and in fact we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a moment with some a little bit more specific. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move forward. Number three, teach your kids to honor, teach your kids to honor. The fifth commandment out of the ten, number five, honor your father and your mother. We don't teach our kids what honor looks like anymore. We were we were backstage this morning, and, uh, and one of the coaches uh, said, "Hi, Mr. Harold," and uh, one of the other coaches said, "Isn't Mr. Harold his dad?" Mr. Harold, that's okay. Like, like we we almost downplay honor anymore. I, I was like, she's just trying to honor me. It's fine. It's all. It's all good. Like, like we and, and I'm not. I'm not saying that's that that was wrong. I'm just saying we downplay honor. We make it not a big deal. It's a big deal to honor somebody. Teach your kids to say yes, sir, and no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. Now I realize that we're in New England. When I first moved to New England, um, I think the first time I said yes, ma'am, to someone, she looked at me like I was rude. Like, I'm like, no, it's not an insult. I'm, I'm just trying to honor you. Like, when did honor become rude? We don't honor each other. I like to say this. I like to say, honor up. Everyone deserves your honor. Everyone deserves your respect. It's not, it's not how they treat me that I'm going I'm to treat them back the way that I want to, the way I want to be treated. No, I'm going to treat them the way I want to be treated all the time. So I'm going to honor them. It is, it is a privilege to know you. It is a privilege to, to be in the same room as somebody. We are human beings. We need to honor each other I think that one one thing that plays a role in this Is um, And I'm going to try not to get on a soapbox um, But one thing that plays a role in this is, is our cell phones These things Because what happens is We sit in a room With other people But we're not in a room with other people You know what I mean We're in a room with other people on this thing And so we can be present with other people physically but we're not there with them mentally and so because because the the reason that has to do with our honor is because we we ignore each other all the time we ignore each other all the time we bump into things all the time because because of these things they they weren't meant to be destructive but they've become destructive parents you should have uh, you should have control on your kid's cell phone you should have control on their social media no anna you can't have snapchat like you should have control over your kid's cell phone you should know their passwords and you should you should frequent their phones and their computers and their social media and get on them to know what they're doing because you love them It's not spying if you do it because you love them and you want to protect them. Instruct them to follow Je- uh, to follow Jesus, but teach them what honor looks like. The last one, number four. Finally, you have to empower your kids to leave. I said that. You have to empower your kids to leave because look what Jesus said in Matthew tw- uh, 19, verse 5 through 6. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife. You have to teach your kids. Guess what, kids? You're going to go someday. You have to teach them to leave. You have to tell them that this isn't isn't always going to be your home. You have to teach them and, and instruct them to follow Jesus so that when they do leave your home, When they fail, because they will fail, and when life hits them hard, and life will hit them hard. They are always welcome to come back, but they will leave again. But when life hits them hard, they have to have something that they run to. Something that won't fail them. Because if they come back, guess what? You're probably going to fail them. You their parents. They're probably going to fail them. And they need someone that never will fail them. And that's Jesus. So how do you empower your kids to follow Jesus? Number one, four quick things. Spend time praying for them. Spend time praying for them. And not just them, but their spouses too. But Pastor Adam, my son is only three years old. It doesn't matter if they're three or they're 30. Pray for their spouse. Because it's the most important decision that they will make outside of following Jesus. And it can destroy them. So make sure you pray for their spouse and pray for them. Number two, spend time in God's word with. Instruct them to follow this book, because it won't lead them astray. Number four, spend time going to church with them. There, I said it. You knew it was coming. Spend time going to church with them. Your kids need to be here. And if if I can just say something right here, I want to make a plea this morning for our whole church. I realize that we don't have a youth group for junior high and high school age students. That breaks my heart. It does. I've been praying for a long time that God would send us someone that is passionate about students, that's passionate about junior high and high school kids, that wants to serve them, that wants to train them up to follow Jesus. But we we don't have any. We don't have, we don't have the right person. And I'm, I'm just praying that God would send someone and that someone would come to me and say, Pastor Adam, I want to work with our students. Whatever it takes, I want to do it. I'm asking you this morning, would you commit to pray for that? That God would send us a youth pastor that can love our kids the way that we do. One reason why we don't—some of you are asking why we don't. One of the reasons why we don't is because I've been taught that for the first five years of your church, as long as you do this well Sunday morning, you can get by with with your kids being being comfortable here, and that's right. Like like we have some kids that are comfortable, but they're getting antsy. They want something for them, and it's time. So let's pray together that. God would send us a youth pastor. Number four, the last thing. You empower your kids to follow Jesus by spending time serving Jesus with them. By spending time serving Jesus with them. When I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. That's why I don't do it anymore. One of the things that was, that was a, a hot topic was Kids leave the church a lot of times when they when they leave home to go to college. They stop going to church. And so one of the reasons one of the things that was a study was why they do that. Why do they quit going to church? Well, the study showed that the reason a lot of them, a lot of people, when they leave to go to college, a lot of those kids were not, when they were in youth group, were not serving in that church and so what the study showed was that when they're when they're serving in church and then they go to college they realize their value in the church we may not have a youth group but we just started a few months ago we just started this thing called the junior dream team where if you're in junior we've got kids in our kids ministry that's serving this Because when you serve Jesus, that's when you see him completing you. That's when you experience him completing you. When you're serving shoulder to shoulder with somebody and you realize the junk that they've gone through that week and they're still there and they're still pouring their hearts out. And you say, how in the world can you do that? It's because they're not doing it for you, and they're not doing it for me, but they're doing it for the one that completes it. And the only way, the only way that we're going to ever leave a legacy in this life is by Jesus completing us, not our success. else, but Jesus, the only legacy that matters, the only legacy that matters is that your kids end up with Jesus by their side. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer, and then we're going to sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know, Pastor Adam, that's great, but I've gotten to where I am without Jesus. I want you to know this morning that Jesus loves you so much that he gave everything he had for you. He died on a cross. He shed his blood so that you could know him. And so that your life would be easier following Him. And I promise you, there will be difficult days ahead if you follow Jesus. But in those difficult days, you have hope, you have peace, you have joy, because He completes you. If you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Adam, I've never given my heart to Jesus so that he would complete me. Would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up in the air so that I can pray with you? Would you say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I've never allowed Jesus into my heart to complete me. Thank you, I see that hand. I know it's awkward. Thank you, I see that hand. Last week, Tanya talked about how they stop us. Guilt, fear, and shame. Some of you don't, don't want to raise your hand because you, you're you like, "There's Pastor Adam, you don't understand. God can never forgive me of this. And you're, you're afraid you're too guilty. But the blood of Jesus is great enough to forgive even the most wretched of sins. Some of you are, are afraid, afraid of what's next. That's not from God. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. Or maybe you're ashamed and you just just can't do it. You just, Pastor Adam, I don't, you don't understand what people are going to think about me. That's all right. It's not their opinions that save you. It's the blood of Jesus that saves you. So if you raise your hand and you want Jesus to complete you this morning, I just want to encourage you to say this prayer after me. You can say it out loud say it under your breath but here's what I ask, I ask that you speak it I ask that you speak it that you say it because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart I believe you already believe because you raise your hand, but if you confess with your mouth so repeat this prayer and say God I come to you and I realize I need you come into my life by the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. I have realized that I have sinned and I have come short of your glory. And I need Jesus to complete me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, I just want to invite you to tell me on your way out. Or fill it out on the card uh, that you received on your way in, and drop it in the black box, um, and we can ce- so that we can celebrate with you. Would you do me a favor? Would you give God a hand today? Come on, give God a hand. We're gonna sing a song, and then we'll be dismissed.